trying to get something done is almost like inviting every distraction and obstacle to get in your way, or at least to do its best to become a complication. This weekly wrap-up idea started with the idea of a Wednesday wrap-up. I'm not sure if it'll hold. I'm thinking weekly. But more than anything, I'm realizing how picking one day out of the week and trying to get something done on just that day (laughs) can be a challenge. I'm finding that now because I started recording this podcast yesterday. And I did what I could about the obstacles and the challenges. And yet here I am on a Thursday afternoon just trying to get as much done as possible to make sure I have something to give to you. You can hear the radio maybe in the background, the news still going. I've just returned from a work appointment. My little French bulldog, Bruno, is snarbling away in front of me contentedly, I'm not sure, licking, scratching, trying to reach something. And if you're just trying to get something done and you finally get to the point where you can see the finish line, you know that there's a sense of relief that supersedes all the distractions. The music from my neighbor playing down below, the cars driving by, the construction which magically started about a minute before I had finished plugging in my microphone and preparing to record this introduction. I can't always promise that this will be a perfect production. What I can promise is I'm going to give you my best each week and that each week I'm hoping to get better to fine tune my timing (laughs) and to do my best to bring you information that not only lets you know what's coming up with me and this podcast and how to stay abreast and up to date, but also little bits of information that I'm hoping creates another conversation that we can enjoy together and that maybe once I start figuring out which things engage the most with you, we can start sharing topics that would make for great conversation or if for nothing else a great item on the weekly wrap-up now bruno is starting to move even faster so i don't know if this idea excites him or troubles him we'll have to wait to get his feedback at some point but until we do i'm hoping for your feedback and i'm thankful that you're tuning in again because this is a new project and I know it's going to get better as I understand the format and as I continue to provide for you each week. Well, it's time for the Wednesday wrap-up. Or is it the wind down? At the middle of the week, are you looking ahead, looking back, or just trying to find a way to stay afloat?
more often. The looking back feels less like turning my head to catch what was behind me, but a snapshot, something that I experienced and I've now gone past, much like the vehicles outside whizzing by on their way to work or school or errands. There's a moment during all of that movement and then there's a series of moments and each one is like a snapshot or a video frame or even a segment, a uh, 10-15 second snippet excerpt. And through that you, or at least I, hold on to these moments that came and went. One of the first that comes to mind is this weekend when I was lucky and honored enough to be the, uh, I don't know if I was honored enough, but I was certainly lucky enough <laughs> and I felt honored to be the host of the DCM podcast on Saturday and it was a great time to sit down with some really great writers, reviewers and editors from DC Comics and Dark Knight News to talk about the week in comics news headlines, upcoming expectations, movie, television, and comic news. It was a good experience for me because I've never worked with that many people all at once on a podcast, and there was a learning curve. I was definitely thankful for those like Joseph who stepped in and provided um, a little bit of continuity, and also for helping out when a plan that we had at the beginning didn't quite work out, but gradually we found a rhythm, and despite a series of ums, ahs, and stumbling on my part, there was a lot of great conversation, some that I even felt I contributed to, and I was so thankful that I could share with these voices and talk about things that I might think about during the day, want to share with a coworker or maybe someone else, but if we don't have the same or a shared history, probably more than the same, but a shared history or understanding of the material we're talking about, there probably won't be that same degree of connection. And with this great group of guys, that's something I felt. In fact, I've got a snippet for you here, and hopefully it'll give you a little bit of a taste of what we're doing, why I like it so much, and why I encourage you to check out DC Comics News on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. And if you like it, please subscribe and rate us. Five stars works for me. How about you? Go ahead and take a listen now. Interest now with the role being vacant. Is this maybe a test balloon? An opportunity to sort of start floating out different names and see what public response generates to sort of help guide decision making or narrow the choices Ooh. factor? And I'm just going to step away and see what others have to say before we shift. I, I think that that, that could be a very good theory because there's no right now there's no deadline you know right now from what i've understand about dc movies in general is that they kind of want to step away from <coughs> superman and batman and let other characters kind of you know because of the success of movies like aquaman let them kind of build up a reputation so you know why not why not throw up some balloons and see what the public has to say yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think you can 
throw out some names out there, kind of leak some stuff, see how people react. But I do think that, I don't know, I mean, this is Warner Brothers and they're a big studio and, you know, they have their analytics and, and all that. So I think they probably have an idea of who they want to get um, and they just hope that the fans react well to it. And I do think they do want to take care of this sooner rather than later. Because if I'm not mistaken, it's 2021, right? For Bat- yeah, the Batman so. movie? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, quickly you get, you want to get the script, you want to get, the, you have the director, but I mean, you want to start throwing names out there and get it all kind of, you know, just going on, you know, just moving along nicely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they might throw some names out there, but I think at the end of the day, Warner Bros. is just going to make their pick and then they'll take it from there. It's a smart way of doing it because obviously public opinion now is literally there immediately from the start and poor old Ben Affleck was shot down before he even got to play the role. So the fact that all mm-hmm. these names are out there and Army's already sort of like top of the list of people seem to like the idea of him becoming the Batman. So that that's clever. And then obviously then you get your Robert Pattinson's all the other strange, weird names that are coming out that are not so popular. So I think that's a smart way of doing it, just to test the waters. Maybe they've already made this decision, but they're just seeing what the public has to think and, and say about it before it happens. But yeah, with Aquaman's success and the standalone movies, um, well, the whole news of them wanting to make a trench movie instead of Man of Steel 2 is a little bit baffling to me. But hey, you know, more different kinds of films, different viewers, different ways in could be a good way forward. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Something that has me looking way back, in fact, much farther back than I actually realized until I double-checked the date, is this article from February 5th by Cecilia D'Anastasio. Um, what it means when we dream about video games. I'm really hooked on this idea because the things we dream about, I mean, we're always told that it's about our subconscious working out a problem. And that's most of the key idea that she gets to. Uh, She starts by talking about how she's playing a new game called Overcooked 2, and that in her dreams, she's constantly optimizing her chopping arranging system so she can serve cucumber sushi uh, better. (laughs) And in that process, she woke up one morning from one of these dreams and asked her partner if they experienced the same thing, to which they said they did. And that led to um, sort of this series where she investigates the idea that gaming doesn't stop just because we close our eyes. In fact, um, when she talks with a psychologist named... Anthony Bean, he points out that dreams are about integrating our conscious and unconscious lives. So not only the things we experience, but the things that we think about or feel, but never actually express, or uh, actually come out of us, but are still in us, acting, reacting, responding to what we're experiencing. And then um, it also leads to this idea that you know, going back to something I said just a few minutes ago, which was the uh, part where dreams are 
in many ways something where our subconscious is trying to process information that we've received. Um, something where we're essentially trying to either not only figure out what happened, but how we feel about it. And if there's a problem that we haven't really figured out, it's it's a place where the mind can sort of unpack and re-examine things that have been occurring. Um, what really stuck with me was this idea that this could help. Um, the artist, artist, the writer in this article, points out that many of the gamers have seen benefits. Um, she goes to another psychologist named Rachel Cowart, and uh, she actually specializes in video games and runs analytics. And her thought is that it's beyond, or I'm sorry, not that it, but that this process of dreaming about games goes beyond problem solving. Um, she suggests that it's about making sense of things. While it can be about problem solving, it can also be about processing our emotions and feelings, how we think about things, how we feel about things. Um, and interestingly, um, the story starts out with a series of examples of people who maybe saw themselves completing parts of a game or always getting stuck or uh, playing games like um, Tetris, which was one that really caught my interest. And yet, not all of these um, moments that someone experienced or that the people who were interviewed experienced was about them actually just solving the problem. Sometimes it was more of a flash of an image that triggered some sort of sen sensory memory that goes with playing the video game they love, much like um, Tetris. Now the other thing that caught my attention is that there's this sense of like um, agency or purpose. Um, they talk about this idea that a lot of the games will feature a common scenario, a nightmare, some kind of a chase, and in many instances, after speaking with the dreamer, there was this um, percentage of gamers who seemed to react positively to almost take power or to become empowered through the environment of the dream. And that compared to others who didn't game, gamers were more likely to respond in the moment to the threat or um, challenge. For example, if character pulled a gun on them, they were more likely to kick or knock the object out of their hand. And oftentimes, um, psychologists have pointed to the opportunity for this to be a way for people dreaming to complete a hero's journey or experience the um, hero component, the idea that everything that goes into a game is about having a character who eventually wins. Now, newer games defeat this idea and encourage us to challenge ourselves in other ways, but the context of 
games and dreams can provide a similar purpose when based just on this idea of an environment when the main character, yourself, has an opportunity to do something more or to solve the problem and somewhat become the hero. I think the last thing that sticks with me is the idea of the appearance of character. No, that doesn't really stick with me. I'm good. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Something that has me looking back in remembrance and ahead with anticipation is the newest original programming available from the DC Universe app, which is the program Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is the second original programming to come from DC Universe, the first being Titans. And if you can hear a mild snarbling in the background, that would be my French bulldog Bruno uh, responding positively to that news. He enjoyed watching Titans more because it meant sitting on my lap for long stretches of time while I watched Titans, which means he's probably going to like Doom Patrol much for the same reasons. Now, I'm going to like Doom Patrol for the following reasons. One, I only had glimpses of it during uh, the time that Grant Morrison and well, some other very luminous names, worked on the project. My earliest memory of Doom Patrol is from Crisis on Infinite Earths, when I remember Doom Patrol, like the other heroes, trying to fend off the shadow demons from the Anti-Monitor, and I believe it was Negative Man says to Rita Farr that he's worried because he doesn't know if his uh, radioactive bands will do any good against the Shadow Demons. And like many of the heroes, the challenge was whether or not your powers would have any effect. If a hero's powers did, then they could fend them off. Sometimes they could actually harm them. Other times they could only create a barrier, but for some heroes, um, both powered and non-powered, there was very little hope and it was how you saw a lot of very well-known characters get eliminated in a very quick moment. Um, but I remember that the answer was that the other character was scared as well and that there was an allusion to the fact that the Doom Patrol had always existed in the shadows on the fringes of the superhero community and were that way um, for reasons I didn't really know I mean they looked powered um, and like they had abilities but I wasn't aware of the fact that um, the nature of their powers and the way that they were perceived had led to their becoming this group of outcast superheroes or that their history had been so extensive. 
I, of course, later became aware of their prominence in the DC universe uh, through more crossover events and through the growing reputation that Morrison, um, again, Grant Morrison, had cultivated as he had worked on not only this but Animal Man and brought substantial changes to both titles, increased the readership and made them, um, well, lifted them up from a third-rate or second-rate category into the top tier. And in many ways, that's now how they're regarded. But beyond that, I still never fully dug in. I was still just getting used to being able to collect a few titles on a regular basis with some money I got from a paper route. Got. Earned, I think. But gradually, as I got older, I would come across an issue or a collection and my understanding grew. And by the time I heard about the show coming on DC Universe, I was excited at the possibility of getting a fresh take and having a fresh start and joining this storyline from the beginning instead of just hopping on at random moments when opportunity presented itself or the books just fell into my lap. And I have to say, I'm, I'm stunned and impressed. I mean, I love the way that the narrator is introduced. I love the breaking of the fourth wall perspective and um, ribbing, I guess, and the joking. And I love the self-awareness especially by the time we get to episode two, Mr. Nobody mentions that the person he keeps talking aloud to, to the annoyance of the other character, is not only the audience, but DC Universe, Reddit trolls, and Grant Morrison fans. And that sort of poking fun and having a go and being aware that this is a comic that cultivated, again I use that word, but yes, that cultivated a reputation for being self-aware and self-conscious and it uses that in ways that are fresh and inviting and clearly separate it from other shows that are from the CW or fall into the superhero category, which it, on a few occasions, makes merciless fun of. The thing that I like also is that DC Universe is taking advantage of building the anticipation by gradually releasing the episodes instead of a single season binge dump. Each episode is released week by week, and I know that episode three has come out this week already, and I just need a little free personal time to sit down and enjoy it, which is the part where I'm looking ahead.
because it's a fun story, because it's exciting and engaging, and because it genuinely makes me laugh. And if I'm going to sit down week after week and give myself over to a show, it's going to be for that reason, or for those reasons. What I like about this version, and the way I'm experiencing it, is that it feels clunky and clumsy. The first thing I enjoy is the introduction, not only of one or two characters through the purpose of the narrator, but how the narrator brings us to a focus on the character of Cliff Steele, race car driver, disfigured in a horrible accident, only his brain could be saved and now he's robot man. And there's this discord to it, like the noise from outside when the traffic starts to pick up and I'm trying to get this recording finished. There's this rush of the thing we want to do or the thing the characters want to do and the inconveniences of life. I mean, if I could, all the traffic would stop. I'd be in a, a sealed room with my favorite music playing. And the only thing I would have is endless time to jot down notes and share numerous theories. But the traffic's outside happens to occur when I'm awake, not always when I'm recording, and not always at the beginning when I'm still waiting for the coffee to kick in. But I'm still trying to get this recording done, and the traffic is still going to happen. And that recognition of the disharmony that always seems to exist in life is visible through the actions and experiences of not only Cliff as he adjusts to his new world and environment and housemates, but the consequences of who he is now, the person who brought him to this place, Dr. Niles Calder, the chief, and also what it means to start that new life when everything around you just seems to get in your way. Which is where Mr. Nobody and a great cast of characters from Jane and her many, many personalities I'm not quite sure if it's appropriate to call her Crazy Jane, but that seems to be her name. Although I, I feel okay with just calling her Jane. And a new version of Cyborg, um, something very different from what we've I saw in Justice League, and if you saw it too, then you're going to see these differences, not only in the relationship between um, Cyborg and his father, but also in his trajectory and his goal to eventually become a member of the Justice League, while the Justice League film had him as a founding member or an original member. These elements are going to keep me looking ahead, and if at some point it becomes annoying to hear me spout on again about last week's episode and this week's episode, let me know. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Another reason to look ahead is my newest conversation 
with Tara Masan in our series on self-acceptance. This newest conversation focused on the theme of what you can do when you can't do what you want. And we both brought um, experiences that we have tried to learn from and tried to grow from. And in that process, we introduced a few ideas that can be part of a process of managing, coping, or working through situations where there's something we want, you want, I want, and we can't get. And when that happens, we're stuck. I want this noise in the background from some kind of giant truck to just stop, but it keeps whining louder and higher. <laughs> and I have to figure out if it's going to be louder than me, I'm going to be louder than it. And if it's even worth it for me to keep talking, because maybe you can't even hear me over all that, or worse, maybe you just want to turn off or turn down the volume until all of that chaos passes. For me in that moment, it was about smiling and talking through. And the noise gently fades away and gradually it won't become nearly as present as it was. But it doesn't mean it won't return, that other noises won't replace it. And that trying to do what you want will be a series of moments where you have to work through the struggle of figuring out what to do when you can't quite get there yet when you still have to take certain steps or where there's a degree of patience or preparation and how using that time can be a benefit not only to manage the current struggle of wanting something you can't have but of also recognizing how taking advantage of this time makes you more prepared and hopefully more successful when your opportunity does arrive. It started from a personal place, but we also did our best to bring it, I hope, to a larger audience. And only your feedback is going to let me and Tara know how that's working and what you thought. I'm looking forward to hearing from you because I know as this series continues to grow and the number of listeners continues to grow, which I'm very thankful for. I'm also recognizing that these conversations not only have meaning, but they have a value and importance that's connecting with others. How well is going to be something I'll understand the more I get feedback from you. I love um, And I actually want to start off with something, you know, um, I was reading our notes and our email conversations and just sitting on our topic. And I don't like to over-prepare. I like to have the idea and the concepts in the front of my mind, but I don't like script. I like to just let things be airy and see what comes. And I've been um, doing something new the last month and I had these deck of cards and the, it, it's this deck of cards that's called The Language of Letting Go by the author of Melody Beattie. And every morning I wake up and before I start journaling, I draw a card. 
And I was sitting there just shuffling the cards and it's like, okay, let me focus my intention on maybe a message that would help us um, or help add to this conversation of what you can do when you can't do what you want. And I drew a card and the card is titled acting quote as if close quote. And it says today I will try acting as if a positive form of pretending. This is a good way to get past part of a problem or overcome fear and doubts. I will act as if the situation is already resolved and get on with my life. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it was something that I really enjoyed uh, when I saw your um, Facebook post recently about doing those cards. Yeah. Um, the uh, the messages seem to be, you know, it's interesting because um, and the uh, background noise is we had to shuttle the dogs into crates because they were just getting a little too frisky this morning. So <laughs> <laughs> that was just a little bit of that you just heard now. Um, but it takes this, you know, sort of uh, simple idea that you'll hear from people when you're in a new situation, you're trying to just figure things out or you're sort of, you know, looking for and they'll say, hey, fake it till you make it. And you, what you're offering here is a much more centered approach to that. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does that mean exactly? Like, how mm-hmm. do you how do you fake it without feeling inauthentic? How do you stay authentic while trying to also do something that you're almost willing into existence yes. um, through this act? And then it, it takes on more of a, no, you're not trying to just, you know, play a fraud. Right. You're trying to, you know, start to create something. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe it's simply the creation of intention. Maybe it's the creation of mindset, but that you're using this idea to bring yourself to this central point of, well, let me at least consider this before mm-hmm. I, I step forward. Yes. And uh, I really like that introduction. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important, too, because you hear fake it till you make it. But then maybe when you finally arrive to where you want to be, you still are carrying around that fraudulent feeling, that icky feeling of, maybe being an imposter. So if you flip the script when you're not able to do what you want to do or have what you want or just feel stuck in general, if you take the situation and decide, A, okay, this is what it is, A, acceptance, B, I have to move on with my life. Like I can't just stay paralyzed, but... I can begin acting as if things are going to turn out in my favor, maybe not the way I want them to, but things will turn out well and I am safe. I am okay. And it allows you to slightly separate yourself from a problem, right? Yes. Um, I'm a big sucker for, for, film and story that that makes reference to how we used to do things and i always love the nautical reference from uh the old star trek show where they would say where to now well second star to the left straight on till morning and it was this very sweet idea of pick a direction and that's where you're heading yeah you know and it's it's you know it's about making that choice and going instead of knowing the why the where the how and it also lends to that sort of mystery and, and wonder that is kind of uh, maybe a, a mental image that might come up for those who, who look at the sea as being, you know, something that's full of 
you know, the idea that for so many sailors, when they headed out from, or when they set off from, from land and were venturing out, they had an idea, but they never knew what they were going to discover. Right. And, you know, you've got this sense of, well, I don't know what I'm going to discover, <laughs> but I know that I've got this guide point that I've, I've set up for myself and I'm going to steer towards that. And that's my direction right now. And, you know, I really like that. That's how, you know, this comes across as direction. You know, it's not always about being, you know, but it's about getting towards or Mm -hmm. working towards or forward motion. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And it's a great example. You know, so often we're looking for role models or, you know, we're looking for ways to find a way through something and, while we've talked that there can be risk to that, especially who you might ascribe to or who you might decide to follow. Uh, oftentimes, if that's not a good path, well, maybe following a direction based on intention above anything else, above mm-hmm. a person, maybe set the role model based on, on that, the focus of your direction. <coughs> I like I've it. got my own cough. Oh, no. You can't I do haven't. it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, I love that you just really naturally worked in the title that we've been thinking about for this one, what you can do when you can't do what you want. And, um, this came from uh, an experience I had recently, and I'm going to get a little personal here. Yeah. And, uh, essentially in December about, I don't know, maybe the 10th or 12th, I got a text from my mom that my father had collapsed mm-hmm. and we didn't know why. And after a rough night of no sleep and clearly not feeling better, she called an ambulance and got him to the hospital. And they knew something was wrong, but they wanted to get him to a better facility so they could do more. And in the process, they realized that his lung was collapsing from some kind of pressure, which meant that something was in there, which they later deduced was blood. And the reason there was blood was because he had a air crack in his aortic valve. And that was causing a slow, steady leakage oh. um, of, to his body. It simply wasn't going through the natural vein and artery system, but instead was just filling, was spilling out and filling up inside. Um, and he collapsed because of his low blood pressure. It turned out that his red blood count was like half or a quarter of what it's supposed to be. Oh, no. And it's because the blood wasn't actually getting in there. So much of it was just spilling out. Yeah, it became became quite an ordeal for us. And for a few weeks, um, I was catching up, learning what was going on with my sister. And we both live very far away. I think the closest is my sister and she lives like an 18 to 24 hour drive, depending on weather and speed. Um, And I live in California and they live in Southern Missouri, right down near the uh, edge of Arkansas. So to get to them for either of us, it usually takes some planning. And we didn't know if he was going to stay there, what the uh, terms would be regarding what was going on with him until we eventually learned he was going to have open heart surgery. Hmm. And even then it became a question of, well, who goes, when do we go, what do we do? And it brought up this, this issue that uh, led to this topic, which was at that moment, I couldn't just drop what I was doing and run out the door and drive to go see my parents just wasn't feasible. It wasn't smart. Yeah. (laughs) There's terrible weather. There's all kinds of things going on. I I need to prepare. I don't know what they need. I don't even know how to get to them yet until 
I've actually learned more. And it led to this understanding of I'm going to act when I know that I can. But yes. I, until I can run out there and do what I want to do, first, I have to figure out how to get to that point and, and what that's actually going to look like. Because no one had any idea until the, the announcement of the surgery what was happening with them. And then once we had an idea, then it was still about, well, how can I still do something even though I can't just be there physically in person? Sometimes a weekly wrap-up is just an opportunity to try and get something down. And hope that it sticks with people more than the dramatic pause that just happened right there. And whether it's the DCM podcast, which I hope you get a chance to check out and leave some feedback either for myself or any of the other members who I think would love to hear it as much as I would, if not more. Or it was the part about dreaming about games and what it means when we do and what opportunities it provides if we allow ourselves to. Maybe it was the snippet from my conversation with Tara Masan. Or perhaps it was just the snarbling of my little French bulldog, Bruno. No matter what the reason is that brought you in and which part of it stays with you now that it's over, I'm hopeful it's enough that you will come back, join me as we grow, and participate in the conversation. In the meantime, Bruno's here on my lap. His eyes are getting low and sleepy. The edges of his paws are beginning to twitch a little. The space right near where his claws protrude is opening and closing with the tiniest of flexes. Now, I don't know about you, but that's about as great a clue as I have ever seen to try and steal a 20-minute or 30-minute nap. If you're lucky enough to get the chance to do the same, cheers. And if not, trust me, just because it's something I want to do, there's no guarantee it's going to happen. Because sometimes setting that goal <laughs> just invites an obstacle. Hope your obstacles are easy and your stumbles are small. And thank you again for joining me today. And I look forward to bringing you more next time. You've been listening to Storytelling with Seth.